Welcome, everybody, to episode two, Mason Crosby of the Leaning Tower of Cheesa podcast. I am your host, Lauren Leach, and I have a few guests again today. Uh, first one is my brother, who unfortunately is a Vikings fan, Andy, and uh, Mark Allen, who I do the Loose Lug podcast with. Boys, how you doing? Hi, Lauren. How are you today? Hey, number two, how about some, uh, how about some fruit, uh, Flutie Flakes? Yeah, Doug Flutie, back in the day, number two, that he was uh, quite popular. There you go. Andy, how you doing? Doing good. Hand in there. Yourself? Good, good. Thanks for joining me, guys. And uh, here we'll get into it. Uh, so we're talking about the NFL draft with this one, focusing on the NFC North once again. We'll start with the Lions. They had the highest pick and the worst record from last year. Their needs were defensive back, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, edge rusher, linebacker, wide receiver, and safety. They had the third pick in the first round, so they go with Jeff Okuda, defensive back out of Ohio State. Then they go again with pick number 35 and go DeAndre Swift, the running back out of Georgia. Um, guys, I thought with the first pick, they may trade out of that instead of picking at three and try to get either Okuda or Henderson, uh, later on in the draft, but they stay at three and get Jeff Okuda, who looks to be a pretty gar- darn good player. Yeah. He'll slide into Darius Slay's replacement, uh, as a number one corner over there. Yeah. Okuda will fit in well there, I think. And, um, yeah, overall, I thought they had a pretty good draft, too. Um, got a pretty good guard that I liked, you know, for, I believe, the third round in Jonah Jackson. So, And then he took another guard that I thought well of in the fourth round out of Kentucky and in Logan Steinberg, and they even picked up Cephas. So, overall, I thought they did pretty well for their draft. So, I also think they did pretty well. I was just surprised that they didn't trade out of that pick three. Is a little high to pick that, but if you think that's going to be a guy that's going to make a diff- that big of a difference, why not stay there and get the guy that you like? Um, he had a heck of a career over at Ohio State, and he's going to be a guy that fits in with Matt Patricia's defense pretty well. Yeah, I mean, he'll be lining opposite from uh, with Desmond Trufant that they picked up also. So, um, yeah, it's a it, it was a trade off there, but. Uh, um, I think everybody thought Detroit was going to get out of that pick. Uh, that's what the experts were all picking, but uh, no, they stayed straight and forward and they, they picked up Okuda. So, um, yeah, we'll see how he is. They say he's a freak athlete. So, yeah, they uh, they said he was pretty highly graded. Probably one of the high, they said he was one of the highest graded corners to ever come out of college. He's uh, just as good, if not better, than Ramsey coming out of college as far as the grade they said. So. Um, at that point, I mean, I think they probably would like to trade down, but if they have that guy rated so high, I mean, you got to kind of stick there and you don't want to take that chance, especially if they have him rated so high. So, Yeah, and, you know, people may be questioning why they trade Darius Slay and go with a cornerback at pick number three, but you have to remember Darius Slay was slated to get a bunch of money this year, so they get rid of him and get a guy in Okuda who – could replace them in the next year or two and be just as good, if not better. So it makes a lot of sense money-wise to do that. Right, and that's exactly why. I mean, 
you take the corner there to replace him, saves a ton of money. And, you know, a guy that was on a um, – he was on under contract for this year yet, but looking for a contract long-term. And I, I believe his age, I don't know how old he is, but I mean, I'm sure he's late 20s maybe or something like that. So, um, but, you know, eventually the, he wanted high demands and they just didn't want to pay him. So it makes sense to just replace him and save money that way. You know, this, his stats at Ohio State – so he only gave up two touchdowns through his two years that he was there. And everyone he faced for the two years never got over 50 yards over him. Isn't that an interesting stat? Yeah, and coming out of Ohio State, they play some stiff competition there. So that says a lot about him and his production at college, at least. You, you always wonder how is that going to translate to the pros just because it's a little different, uh, a lot faster and all of that. But to have that stats at a, at a big college like that, that, uh, that says a lot about him. Yep. He'll, uh, he'll line up a uh, single and he can uh, just be with man to man. So yeah, as looking at those stats and everything, uh, I think they got themselves a good player there. So then they go running back, which was uh, another top need of theirs. Uh, Deandre Swift out of Georgia guy that had a lot of production down in Georgia had some trouble staying healthy here and there, but could project to be a, a pretty good player as well. Yeah. He's a small little guy, five, eight, 212 pounds. Um, he played behind Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle uh, when he was a freshman at Georgia. And Perion Johnson has had some trouble staying healthy as well. So they get a guy early in DeAndre Swift that could help him out if he goes down or be a one-two punch as well. Yeah, that's probably going to be a committee there between Swift and Johnson. So, But he does catch the ball out of the backfield. That's, just, that's huge also. So he's versatile that way. And plays for yeah, good all around back for sure. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, we'll see. I just um, be interested to see what, what the role he'll face in, especially if Carryon's uh, healthy. So, interesting to see how it works out there. But all around good receiving back and guy who can pound the rock. In today's NFL, you almost need two backs as well. Um, just with the, the load that they're carrying, uh, you could have a thunder back and a lightning back. So it makes a lot of sense for them to take them uh, take him that high, even though they have Carrion Johnson, not only because of the health issues with Carrion, but because of what I just previously mentioned. Yep, so it's probably not lose a situation there. I think, uh, yeah, that's a good pick for them. So then in round three, at pick 67, they get a defensive end from Notre Dame, Julian Aquara. Uh, that guy uh, looks pretty athletic, um, has a lot of talent. And then also at pick 75, they go with a guy that Andy just mentioned he was high on, an offensive guard from Ohio State, Jonah Jackson. Um, they needed some offensive uh, line help uh, kind of majorly down there. So then uh, in pick four, or round four, pick 121, they go with Logan Stenberg out of Kentucky. Another guy, Andy, was high on. And then round five, they go with a guy out of Wisconsin that I liked projecting when you can talk about a, a guy that really came on strong this season, Quintez Cephas. Uh, that guy has a lot of talent. Yeah. I, as I mentioned, I thought they had a pretty good uh, 
pretty good draft and especially adding, you know, the offensive linemen they got were pretty good and Cephas I think will do well there too. So Kawa, that defensive end, his older brother Julian plays. Um, no, Julian, his older brother Romeo is on the roster for Detroit. So <laughs> there's a uh, there's some help with a brother on the on the roster there. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point for a guy that's coming into the NFL to be team with your brother. A little familiarity there uh, always helps. He, uh, he had a broken leg late in the uh, 2019 season, but he still clocked in on a good speed on the, uh, on the 40, on the 40 there. So, uh, but he has good strength and he's, he's a bull rusher. So, and then, yeah, then they got the two guards. So, all in all, I, I think Detroit did all right. Um, it's still going to come down to Stafford staying healthy there. He's, uh, you know, if, I think if uh, he falls down, you know, then they, they got Chase Daniel from the from the Bears. Um, it's going to come down to uh, keeping Stafford upright and keeping him healthy. Yeah, and you know, uh, in the back half of round five, six, and seven, they pick up a guy in round five, pick 172, Jason Huntley, a running back out of New Mexico, New Mexico State. So they help uh, with the backs again there. Uh, round six, pick 197, they go with John uh, Pinisi out of uh, Utah, defensive tackle. In round seven, pick 235, they go with uh, Jason Cornell, a defensive tackle out of Ohio State. Then they also pick up some undrafted free agents. They get a long snapper, Stephen Wartell out of Iowa State, a fullback, Luke Sellers out of South Dakota State, tight end Hunter Bryant out of Washington. That's an athletic tight end there that could help them a little bit and be a little bit surprising uh, for some people. A safety, Jalen Elliott out of Notre Dame, Hunter Aaron Sipis out of Auburn, defensive back Bobby Price out of Norfolk State, and another defensive back, Jeremy Dinson out of Auburn. So, uh, you can see a lot of defensive backs, a lot of running backs that they pick, but I really think that they upgraded their team there, and I expect to see um, them move up the charts a little bit this year. Yeah, and a few Patriots. You know, it seems to be uh, New England West. <laughs> a lot of Patriots just keep coming on over from from over there. So, um, yeah, I think they did well in the draft. They should uh, rank high on their draft picks there. So. Some other news out of Detroit as well. They declined Jared Davis's 2021 option. Uh, I was a little surprised by that. A guy who's been productive for the most part there. A little bit of a smaller linebacker, but really uh, had a good rookie year over there and has has performed quite well. So a little bit surprising that they declined that option on him. That's a yeah, definitely interesting about that, so – It'll be interesting. Maybe they can still get him back for just a lesser value or something, but interesting. And he was a first-round draft choice uh, back in 17. It was the same year that Matt Patricia was hired. So that'll save them some money that they don't have to pay that fifth year. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm a little surprised by that, declining it, because I can't think the option is too expensive for him, but um, we'll, we'll see what they do there. Maybe they – I know he's had some health concerns a little bit over the years. Um, maybe they're thinking that way, but I was just a little surprised by it. 
Yeah, he missed five games last year uh, with a bad ankle. So, can't fear a blue lion, though. I'm still going to pound the drum on that. They should get some different colors there. (laughs) (laughs) A blue lion. I never understood their color coding. I know Ford owns them. You know, it's always the Ford blue colors from Detroit, but still. You know, sometimes like they, they change their colors or they change their scheme, and all of a sudden the whole team and the whole philosophy all changes. You know, like Denver or New England, all of a sudden they became irrelevant once when they changed their they changed their uh, their helmet or their colors and stuff like that. So, yeah, something to think about. I've always been that way about Detroit. It has. I personally like their. I personally like their colors. I. Maybe I'm partial because I did like Barry Sanders, so watching him in that that blue and silver, I, I like it. But uh, yeah, now that you say it, you know, blue line never really thought about it before until you mentioned it. But <laughs> um, I don't think that'll change uh, anytime soon, anyway. No, but neither is the 27 years of not winning a playoff game, too. So you know, that's that's a very very long time. <laughs> You know, be thankful that they're in the Packers and Vikings division, right, Andy? <laughs> yeah, you bet. Yeah, we got to always have a bye week in our division. But, uh, the, hey, they still play tough. You know how them divisional games are. You know, they each team I knows think, each other. Well, they should have beat the Packers twice last yes, year. Yes, they could they have. screwed on both those games. Absolutely. So. That's a good, good uh, call there. Yes, Detroit was in both of those games. I think they'll be much improved. I think they lost a lot of close games last year. You could kind of see that starting to get the ball rolling there in Detroit. So I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. And I think you could even see them as high as second in this division. I think I am uh, uh, on the outs of that, that a lot of people don't think the same way I have on them, but I think they're, uh, they're going to be much improved and I expect uh, bigger things out of them this year. Yeah. Time will tell, but uh, we'll see. But uh, all in all, I think they did. Uh, they did the best of what they could have did with that. So, well, let's move on with the Chicago Bears. Then, Chicago did not have a first-round pick this year. That goes back to the Khalil Mack trade. So they lose that. They did have two seconds, though. Their biggest needs were offensive line, wide receiver, running back, edge rusher, safety tight end linebacker and cornerback in round two with the first pick at pick 43 they had uh they picked Cole Komet a tight end out of Notre Dame with their second pick in round two pick 50 they go Jalen Johnson a cornerback out of Utah some people thought Jalen Johnson could go into the first round as high as 22nd I believe to Minnesota so he falls a little bit and they get uh, two good talents there yeah, that Jalen Johnson's got a he's got a, a bad shoulder that's been lingering since 2016, so that's kind of a red flag with him. Uh, but all in all, he looks very athletic. He's all Pac-12 backed over there. Um, when you mentioned needs, you should have uh, right away said that uh, the Bears need a tight end. I heard last week on Pro Football Talk that they had 10 of them, <laughs> 10 tight ends on their roster. Um, I heard one of them, I can't, I ain't got the name off right off hand, but I heard that they cut one yesterday. So now maybe they're down to nine. 
Yeah, I heard that as well, that they had 10, but then uh, they get uh, they did drop one, so they're down to nine. But with getting rid of um, – oh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. The guy that came over from Philadelphia, they, they ended up cutting him, uh, Trey Burton. So they uh, they needed a guy that could perform at a high level at that position. Yeah, Trey Burton was just a, just a bust. Uh, oh yeah, he was. Uh, at, uh, he signed a four-year, thirty-two million-dollar contract back in seventeen, and he just never lived up to it. So um, I, <laughs> I even had him on my fantasy team, and uh, yeah, that's why I didn't do well either. <laughs> Yeah, Trey Burton, uh, really never really productive in the league. I mean, I think he had one year where he had over 500 yards. Besides that, it hasn't been over 500 yards, and he got paid pretty good. So, Yeah, he had hip surgery also, and so that's uh, that uh, also didn't know that he was going to come off of that and be healthy. So so they just decided to go with uh, Jimmy Graham, and, uh, and Jimmy Graham isn't much of a blocker, you know, so that was uh, – put out there and uh, he's got many miles on him too so so you can kind of understand where they're going with the with the new tight end there so yeah you know Chris uh, who we had on the last podcast and had to get off a little bit he early he uh he was really high he was hoping they go safety early instead of tight end even though they needed some help at that position so he was a little disappointed in the tight end pick I think he'll still help the offense and help out whoever's quarterback there. So I didn't, uh, I like, I like the pick, but uh, he was thinking differently and he knows a little more than I do since he's a bear fan. <laughs> yeah. That Nick Foles uh, deal also bringing him in is going to make great competition, you know, so we'll see, we'll see how that works. Um, I'm all for that. Now that, uh, you know, Andy Dalton just got cut yesterday, too, and there was a lot of rumors that he was going to end up going to Chicago also. Um, so, in the quarterback uh, position, uh, there'll be some competition going on there in Chicago. Absolutely. I mentioned in the last podcast that I was a little surprised that they brought in someone of the caliber of Nick Foles, but at the end of the day, Nick Foles is going to, bring the best out of Trubisky if if Foles doesn't get the job. So that I'm going to be watching that pretty closely this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there should be some good competition there. So then the Bears don't have a pick until round five where they get three picks. They made some trades and all that to pick up some and move back a little bit. So they go at pick 155 in the fifth, Travis Gibson and Edrusser out of Tulsa. At pick 163, round five, they go Kendall Vildor, a cornerback out of Georgia Southern. At pick 173 in the fifth, they go Darnell Mooney, a wide receiver out of Tulane, which some people were really liking that pick for them. And then in round seven at 226, they get Arlington Hambright and a tackle out of Colorado and uh, the next pick, 227 in the seventh, Lacavius Simmons, an offensive lineman from Tennessee State. So um, they really had to hit on the first two picks here and hope they find a gem late. Maybe that's Darnell Mooney, wide receiver. That'll help them out a little bit. But um, 
it'll be interesting to see what happens with the quarterback as we were just saying, but I think they needed some more talent. And unfortunately with the draft picks they had this year, uh, I don't know how they'll pan out the time the Cole Komet, the tight end and Jalen Johnson cornerback have to be hits in this one, I would think. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the tight end will be pretty good there. Um, Nor he's from Notre Dame. And so those, I don't know, they like to produce a lot of tight ends in the league. So, um, but uh, overall, I thought they didn't like the pick originally with the tight end, but um, we'll see how it turns out. You always need a couple of tight ends in the league. So, uh, like you said about the running back, too, uh, love the Jalen Johnson pick. Um, could one to mind if the Vikings would have even took Jalen in the first round, and you said he could have been he was mocked and some to pick 22. Um, but they traded to get 155. They gave up a, a next year fourth round pick to Minnesota um, for that uh, Gibson guy. So, um, so people said he was pretty good on the edge too. But I kind of liked it because Minnesota got an extra pick next year for it. But interesting. So, but a lot of guys were, were high on that Gibson guy too from um, Tulsa. So interesting to see how that plays out for him. Yeah, I see that they made some other moves here recently. Uh, just recently, they picked up Ted Ginn, um, who's 35 years old. Um, he's a burner still. He's got some speed. Um, they had to replace Taylor Gabriel because they uh, they let him go. So that will give Foles and Trubisky uh, <clears throat> um, a downfield target. Um, Yeah, and then they uh, undrafted free agent. They get defensive lineman Lee Altry from Mississippi State and offensive lineman Dieter Isillen from Yale, uh, linebacker Kendra Jones from Maryland, linebacker LaCale London from Western Illinois, uh, uh, another backer Ladarius Mack from Buffalo. That's uh, Khalil Mack's brother, so – we mentioned before the Lions pick up Aquara's brother, uh, who was already there, and then uh, the the Bears get the Mac brothers down there in Chicago. So it'll be interesting to see see how that works. Uh, he's from Buffalo as well. Uh, then they pick up running back Napoleon Maxwell from Florida International, defensive lineman Trayvon McSwain from Duke, running back Artavis Pierce from Oregon State, cornerback Rashad Smith from Florida Atlantic, offensive lineman Badera. To Tremor from LSU and wide receiver Ahmad Wagner from Kentucky. So I'll be honest with you guys. I actually have the Lions finishing above the Bears next year with the talent that the Lions picked up. Yeah, true. You know, but the Bears, they uh, they went, uh, not for having very high uh, draft picks right away, they still picked up a lot of players. And um, so, you know, we'll see what, what happens with that. Yeah, I think uh, Detroit and Chicago will be uh, uh, fighting it out between each other. Um, but uh, it still comes down to the quarterback playing in Chicago. But that's pretty much anything. Yeah, definitely. So that will be interesting. Like you said, the quarterback play, uh, as I mentioned last time, Foles might come in. And I honestly think if I was making a prediction, he'll probably win the job um, just because I think he's – 
familiar with the offense, and he's uh, worked so well with D. Filippo in the past, and he's fresh coming over there. So, yeah, we'll have to. It's it's going to come down to that quarterback position, as we mentioned before. So we'll see if they get better play and and who wins out of that position. Uh, so I think uh, going in, I thought the Lions had an outside shot at getting up to second. I think with what the Vikings did, uh, I think those two would be third and fourth in some some fashion. I have the Lions above the Bears, but we'll see what happens there. Mentioning the Vikings here, uh, boy, did they make some moves, uh, Andy? You'll we'll get your opinion on this being a Vikings fan. Their needs were defensive back, wide receiver, defensive end defensive tackle, offensive line, safety, running back, and linebacker. They had a lot of needs on defense with losing a lot of key guys there, but I think they did pretty well. In round one, pick 22, they go Justin Jefferson, a wide receiver of LSU, and at pick 31, they traded back with San Francisco. They pick up Jeff Gladney, a cornerback out of TCU. I tell you what, my favorite pick of the draft, and I hate to say this, was Justin Jefferson out of LSU. I think he fell further than what he would have in any other draft. I think he was one of the best talents out there, and because of the deep wide receiver class, some went a little early, and he fell a little bit, and Minnesota picked up a gem, I believe. Yeah, I I, I love the, the draft that they had, so um... – I think they they hit it dead on, and the only downfall that I really saw and um, is I would have liked them potentially in that third round maybe to jump back in at the end of it and try to get a, a defensive tackle, but they ended up getting a, a pretty good defensive tackle coming in from Baylor, who set the school record for sacks there, and, and James Lynn. So um, that'll be interesting to see, but. Um, yeah, I, I just think their their first four picks were home runs, and all those guys potentially had, um, you know, late first to, to mid second around grades to, um, going in. So for them to get four guys who I think are potentially first round caliber players, uh, I I'm really happy with what they did. So then in yeah. round two, pick 58, they go Ezra Cleveland, a tackle out of Boise State. That's a guy that mocked anywhere from late first to early second. He falls a little bit in the second, so they pick up some offensive line help, which they needed with Pat Fline not playing very well and some other guys that they could have upgraded, so that's a good pick. And then round three at pick 89, they go Cameron Dancer, another defensive back from Mississippi State. So there potentially is two cornerbacks to re- uh, replace some that they lost in the offseason. And they lost a lot. There was a lot of movement up there in Minnesota. Yeah, um, Cam Dantzler, um Guys are saying that's one of the biggest deals in the draft. They, um, a lot of people had him ranked in the top 50, and the only reason why they said he fell is because at the combine he ran like a 4-6-3 or something for the 40, and um, at his pro day then he ran like a 4-3-8 though, and um, they said, you know, looking at the tape, though, um, I think he only gave up one touchdown last year in the SEC. Um, and so, and they said his, his highlight film was um, locking down, I believe his name is Jamar Chase, the top wild from LSU, who's going to potentially be a top five pick next year and held him to like, um, 
I think it was either uh, one. It, it, I think it might have been like one catch for seven yards or something like that. So, um, and he's he kind of held the Alabama receivers in check too. So uh, I'm really high on him. And um, yeah, that the biggest knock they said was speed. But if you turn on the tape, I mean, he's he's tall, athletic, and he gets after it. So um, I think he'll he'll fill in really nicely there. And uh, it's interesting to see what happens with him and Gladney going forward there. You need, you need to put some meat on the bones. He's 6'2", 188 pounds. They say he's got a toothpick frame. <laughs> and I uh, suggest that he could possibly be a, a pushover. But, um, yeah, he makes up for it with his coverage. You know? So he has above average uh, press abilities and coverage. So then they make a ton of moves here. They have two pick, uh, three picks in the fourth round. Pick 117, they go DJ Wonham from uh, South Carolina, defensive end. And then at pick 130 in round four, they go James Lynch, their defensive tackle out of Baylor. And then at pick 132, they go Tro- Troy Dye, a linebacker out of Oregon. Sounds like Troy Dye could be a sleeper in this draft at that position. Yeah, some people are saying that uh, Troy Dye uh, could be a sleeper for him as well. Um, they say um, they project him year one to be kind of mainly like a special teams guy, but a lot of people are saying year two that um, he could be joining uh, the starting field with um, Anthony Barr and Eric Hendricks at the linebacker position. So um, very interesting to see how he does. But um, all like I said, all those picks right here are in there. DJ Wanham out of South Carolina, um, project kind of guy, but a lot of people think he has high potential too. And uh, he kind of reminds me, and some people have mentioned this too, kind of reminds him of uh, um, Daniil Hunter when he came out of LSU. Um, they're about, they're very similar as far as weight, size, and everything. And um, that defensive line, and, and now the co-defensive coordinator for Minnesota one of them is named Andre Patterson who looks specifically at the D-line he he's really good with the guys and um I think he has high potential there for DJ Wanham going forward for Minnesota yeah the red flag on Troy Dye is that he ended up with uh postseason knee surgery so mm-hmm. that's uh something to be concerned about there but um yeah they built a they built some defense right there with those three picks right in the row And then in round five, they have a couple of picks. Pick 169, they go Harrison Hanna, defensive back from Temple. 176, they go K.J. Ashbourne from Miami, a wide receiver. And then in round six, they go uh, with pick 203, Blake Brandel, an offensive tackle out of Oregon State. And pick 205, Josh Metellus, a safety from Michigan. Yeah, with uh, Harrison Hand, they said that um, guy who was very versatile, uh, played corner in college, was originally at Baylor, transferred to Temple. Um, they said very likely that he could transfer over to safety too. Um, so we'll see what they do there once they get into training camp and, and all that stuff. Um, and then um, the Miami, Florida um, receiver um, originally was at Buffalo, transferred to Miami. Um, very good as return man, and I probably see him um, 
being maybe the fifth receiver on the team this year, but um, he's very good at uh, uh, being like a return specialist too. So I can see him on kickoffs and punt return for him. So uh, that was the big thing on him going forward and um, out of those two guys. Yeah, saying Harrison Harrison Hand has um, he has um, not good technique, and that he's going to have to be coached up a little bit. Um, he's pretty much going to end up being a backup um, up there in Minnesota, just to uh, fill in back there. So, um, then in round seven, pick two twenty-five, they go Kenny Willikus, a uh, defensive end from Mich- Michigan State. Round seven, pick two forty-four, Nate Stanley, quarterback from Iowa. That's a guy from Menominee, Wisconsin, actually. So Nate Stanley was pretty productive down there at Iowa. They go ahead and pick him up. And... Can always use a backup quarterback. Yeah, they uh, they said potentially Kenny Willikus uh, could be a potential steal. A lot of people had him ranked in the, towards the top 100, 150 area, and um, he falls to 225 for him. So uh, they say a guy is with a big mortar in that. And it uh, should be interesting to see what Andre Patterson does with him. But um, a lot of people said that was a really good pick and uh, tremendous value for him falling there. Um, and with Nate Stanley, as you mentioned, from Menominee, um, very productive at Iowa. Um, and they said he could be a really high-tier backup quarterback is what they project him to be in the league. So um, interesting to see how that will work out um, with them having obviously Kirk Cousins being the starter. And then um, they'll see what, what happens with the quarterback room because they have Sean Mannion on a minimum deal. And um, they also have Jake Browning from Washington, who was a practice squad player last year, who they got as an undrafted free agent for a lot of money to go there. And now they drafted Nate Stanley. So we'll see what happens with the backup situation here. And then with pick 249, they go uh, Brian Cole, the second, a safety from Mississippi State, and pick 253, Kyle Hinton, an offensive lineman from Washburn. So um, I think they got some good talent throughout the draft here. I think they did very well. Can these guys step in and replace what they lost is the big question here. I think they have potential to do that a few years down the road, but this year, you could see Minnesota take a step back on what they lost, but then in a few years, get back to that high potential that they were at. Well, there's going to be some competition there. <laughs> you know, that's what it looks like right there, and they have a good coaching staff up there. So, um, you know, competition brings out the best, and, uh, you know, the cream will come to the top. So, yeah, I think Minnesota did a good job. Ain't that right, Andy? Even it hurts to say that, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, I definitely love the way the board fell to them, and um, they got, I think they got like twelve picks or something like that for next year too, um, as they got a fourth rounder from the um, Bears for next year, and they also traded down and got a fifth round pick from the Ravens next year already too, and then they're projected to get two comp picks. Um, and I believe they're as of right now, they're projected to get a third round pick um, for next year and then a sixth round pick too. So 
Um, they should be loaded going into next year too. So it's very nice to see they got a lot of picks this year and they should be loaded going into next year's draft to make some movements too. But um, interesting enough, the Washburn kid, the, their last pick at 253, I believe was the, diff- uh, he's out of D2 Washburn and um, they said that he's probably going to be most likely transitioned over to center, but I think he was the D2 offensive lineman of the year, but I could be wrong on that, but I believe that's what they're saying, but most likely going to be a backup at center and a lot of people are, are kind of high on him too, so we'll see what happens there, but overall love the draft they did and with this year and looks like they got some ammo to move up or move down next year too, if they want. So then they also picked up, uh, I think it was a dozen undrafted free agents. They go with a tackle from Oregon, Brady Aiello, fullback Jake Vargas from North Carolina, wide receiver Dan Chesena from Penn state, cornerback Neville Clark from UCF, wide receiver Courtney Davis from Texas A&M safety, Miles Dorn from North Carolina, Defensive back Jordan Fair from Appalachian State. Tight end Nikhil Griffin Stewart. Um, offensive guard Tyler Higby from Michigan State. Center Jake Lasina from Augustana. Linebacker Blake Lynch from Baylor. And defensive tackle David Moa from Boise State. If I'm not mistaken, center Jake Lasina from Augustana, his father was also a Minnesota Viking. Purple ones in the family, huh? <laughs> I think you're right on that. Um, I think I saw one of the media guys say that. Um, no, I don't think there's been like a son that's played um, on the same team. Like, I believe probably just for Minnesota um, to make the team. So there's interesting to see if he makes the team like his dad did back in the day. So I think you're right on that. Yeah, again, I think they did pretty well. The question is, how soon can these prospects turn into right now talent for them? I think uh, in the first part of the draft, you have a few that could step in right away and do an okay job and then get better as the year goes on. But that'll be the big question. Yeah, I um, don't know a whole lot of most of the prospects for undrafted, but a couple of them that they did pay pretty well for undrafted guy was the uh, Courtney Davis from Texas A&M, the wideout, was they said he was probably the top top five undrafted guys, and they had a lot of people said they had like a fourth round grade on him. So um, interesting to see how he does there. And uh, Neville Clark, out of cornerback from um, Central Florida, um, who played with Mike Hughes, who was uh, I believe 2017 first round pick for the Vikings or 2018, I can't remember, but. Um, but they played together, and he was also a very high free agents player. So um, we'll see what the rest of them do. But those were the two ones that they said has a potentially a good chance of making the team. So we'll see what they do there. Yeah, I see it was also put out there that Delvin Cook is going to participate in the voluntary offseason program. He's on the last year of his contract. Um, he is going to be the workhorse once again up there. You know, as long as he stays healthy. Um, Matson is, uh, is a good backup. I've seen him play. Um, you know, he seems to be a good all-around good back. Um, probably going to see if they can get a deal cut with him uh, and get an extension to keep him up there in Minnesota. Um, some say he's the best back in football right now. So 
Um, I'm sure he's, sure he's going to want to get paid that money, you know, if that's his classification. Yeah, that would be interesting to see what happens with that situation. Um, a lot of people said smart for him to, to participate. Um, a lot of people said holding out really doesn't do you any any good, really. Um, only really two running backs have gotten success from really holding out, and that's been um, Zeke and, and Le'Veon Bell, and Bell missed the whole year um, on top of that. But uh, besides that, I mean – Melvin Gordon situation didn't really work out how he originally planned. He still got decent contract this year, but um, but a lot of people say it's probably best to to stick it out and and show him what you're worth. And so interesting to see what happens because McCaffrey just got paid, so um, I wouldn't think it would be as much as he got, but it was probably, I could see him wanting somewhere near that amount. So um, interesting to see what uh, the GM and his agent work out and. Um, Especially, I'm sure they're going to use some leverage with him not being as healthy as often as as he should. So interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I, regarding Delvin Cook, he's a he's a good back, but his biggest thing is staying healthy. So if he can stay healthy, he'll be one of the ba- best backs in the league. But if he can't, that's where Minnesota is going to have a tough choice coming up this year. Well, he's a workhorse there, you know. So they pound the pound the ball with him. So he uh, he carries the ball a lot there. Um, yeah, he's a good back, but as uh, as the season goes, is he going to wear down? We'll see. Um, there isn't a one-two back there up in Minnesota. All right. Well, let's move on to the thirteen-time world champion Green Bay Packers. Their needs were wide receiver, defensive line, linebacker, offensive line, tight end, cornerback, quarterback, running back. In round one, the big question mark of the draft so far, as far as the media is saying, they move up four picks, give up a fourth rounder, and pick Jordan Love, quarterback from Utah State at pick 26. Yay! <laughs> um, a lot of people are questioning this pick, wondering why they did it now with Aaron playing at a high level. I feel the same way I did back in 2005 when this all happened. Yeah, you have bigger needs, but at the same time, you got to look to the future with these drafts. And if you can have a guy who was raw sit behind Aaron Rodgers and learn the ropes, why not? They said he, he started separating himself from the board just like Aaron did in 2005. So they move up and go get him. It'll be uh, interesting to see what happens with this whole situation now. Well, there was talk out there that uh, the Packers and the Patriots were going to make a trade. And for them drafted with that draft pick, and I think they both realized that they were zeroing in on the same player, and that's why the Packers moved up. Um, I think uh, the 49ers, when they grabbed that uh, rookie uh, wide receiver, Ayuk, I think the Packers wanted him, and the 49ers jumped in front of the Packers for the 25th pick. And so that's where Jordan Love kind of came around here. Um, 
Yeah, it's going to be the talk of the whole offseason. When I go on PFT, that's pretty much they spend the first 20 minutes just uh, beating the drum on this whole situation. And and, and a lot of people are worried about uh, Aaron's feelings about this and is he going to be a team player and he's going to take him under his wing. And, you know, and the only person that's talked to him is Brett Favre. And then Favre came out and said a couple of things. He didn't say what the whole conversation was about. But my feeling is, is uh, Rodgers is going to be around for two years and then they're going to ship him off. I think uh, the beatdown that the Packers got on the uh, championship game uh, influenced them so much to uh, install a running game that uh, that's pretty much looks like the direction that the offense is going to go, that they're going to be uh, more of a running team um, instead of a passing team. Um, yeah, they opened up a whole can of worms on this, and it'll be the talk of the offseason. So you mentioned right away Brett Favre's comments. Um, some of the comments he made was Rodgers uh, won't stay for the rest of his career as a Green Bay Packer, that they burned a bridge with him. But you can't be surprised saying that Rodgers won't stay his whole career in Green Bay because what player does that nowadays? I mean, even even back then you saw Montana go to the Chiefs, Favre to the Jets, and then the Vikings. Other guys have done it, so it's not really surprising. And the, and the media, to me, is just eating this up and making a bigger oh, yeah. bigger deal out of it than it, than it really needs to be. Um, they're saying stuff like, why didn't they get Aaron's approval? And I, I just am like, really, why? You know, because if you talk to him and say, hey, we're thinking about doing this, and he says, well, I don't really agree with that, then you still pick him. What kind of rift does that cause? So I think, you know, if you think about it a little bit, you'll start coming up with these questions and answers by yourself and realizing that the media is just overbearing us with this and um, – they're saying, uh, you know, you look back on even John Elway back in, I think it was 1992, I heard, they picked um, Tommy Maddox in the first round after Elway's had a successful career and wasn't near the end of his yet. Maddox is gone in two years, and Elway brings two Super Bowls to Denver. Um, Aaron yeah. is a professional. He will come in and do his job. It's not his job to mentor. And that's another thing that people are saying. He's not a good mentor. I think those people saying that don't know Aaron. And I also think it isn't his job to mentor. Just like Brett Favre's wasn't his no. job to mentor. He will watch Aaron Rodgers play and learn, learn from that. And that's really all you need. And that's, yeah, that's fine. You know, just like in uh, New England, when Garoppolo, then they, they picked him up in New England back, I think it was, what, 2012? And they were waiting for, uh, you know, Brady to come down, you know, and Brady won some more Super Bowls after that, and Garoppolo became trade bait. So, yeah, it's not written in stone that uh, that Rodgers has lost his job here. Um there's a little competition there. It's good. And, uh, you know, Jordan Love's going to learn, you know, learn from the best. Um, boy, that kid's got a rifle for an arm. Huh. Um, we'll, uh, we'll see. Some good coaching and everything. Um, who knows? Down the road, two, three years down the road, you can actually get a, um, some, a good uh, draft pick for him too. So, 
but uh, yeah, it opened some eyes. And then, uh, you know, then when they came around and got the second pick, you know, and everybody's going wide receiver, you know, and they, they never went that way. And they, they grabbed A.J. Dillon there in the second round, which isn't much of a um, – he doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield much. So just kind of telling you that they, they want to pound the rock. And, uh, you know, that A.J. Dillon, man, he <laughs> he looks like a load. Um, I'm impressed by his um, – um, his uh, videos out there of what he looks like, but um, the timing of that draft pick was also strange. Um, so that's kind of my opinion. But um, AJ Dillon, he uh, he looks like a, a, a bruising back, and uh, uh, be interesting what he can do. Yeah, I thought for sure they would go wide receiver early in day two. They go with AJ Dillon at pick sixty-two in the second round. Out of running back um like you said mark he just looks like a bruiser he was throwing people off him um they're saying he could almost be like a derrick henry type back he's got quick feet but he's big um if you really think about it too thinking about the future this we are in the last year of aaron jones and jamal williams so this was a need um especially with jamal williams not able to stay healthy so you could see a little bit of thunder and lightning go there. They can still bring back Aaron Jones. I think this means it's probably the end of the Jamal Williams experiment in Green Bay. We'll see what happens with Aaron Jones. But when you start thinking about it, this pick also makes a lot of sense. Well, Aaron Jones is going to be a, more of a passing back out of the backfield. So, yeah, you're going to have some thunder and lightning there that's going to be going on. You know, um, Dylan only caught 21 passes in his whole college career. So um, don't know if he, he's eligible to do that or if they, he can be coached that way. But he's going to be like a third down back also, uh, short yard. But, uh, yeah, he's a bruiser. Just to say that he looks like uh, the Tennessee uh, running back um, gives him high praise. But um, we'll see. I, the timing of that pick was also a head scratcher, though, and that got people talking about that too. It was, but yeah, their their draft overall was, I mean, so, so many head scratchers when you look at it, and um, you know, me personally, I'll say, you know, not a fan of trading up to get Jordan Love, but you know, if they're high on him and that's their guy, whatever. No, I, I can kind of move on past that if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm looking at it from a Packers fan um, perspective. The problem where I have is they don't, I don't really see them doing too much as far as adding guys that are gonna help you right away, and they're they're looking like at guys in my eyes they're gonna be, you know, two three year three years that they might start, you know, contributing and and start transitioning that offense. I mean. Um, to, and as far as a deep draft goes, I mean, you know, uh, like I said, I'm fine with them. I can kind of try to overlook the Jordan Love pick, but to really not give Aaron help right now, I mean, I don't know what that's kind of saying that for them as a team. I mean, you're in win now mentality. Um, you know, they didn't really draft, you know, I, they could have went wide out early, as you said. I mean, maybe even defensive tackle. I mean, they got – gouged in San Francisco in that playoff game and even, you know, in the regular season person too. I mean, I just, you know, 
trying to see how they did better going forward for next year. And um, I don't know. It's just, you know, a lot of head scratching moves in my eyes. And, you know, like I said, can try to get over the Jordan Love thing. Sure. But the rest of it's just, you know, a lot of head scratching moves um, for me personally. And, you know, I, I don't see any, you know, typically I haven't seen anyone that's been really pleased with their draft at all. So interesting to see how it transitions going forward. And um, I do think LaFleur is trying to do kind of like a power move and transition this offense to what it was in Tennessee. But um, even in Tennessee, I mean, he had the 27th ranked offense there too. So in my eyes, I think, you know, like I said, you can try to get over the Jordan Love thing, but you got to get Aaron help right now and help on the defensive side. And I don't really think they, they really did that going forward. But, again, we'll see what happens. Here's the thing, though, regarding all of that. Um, how many years in a row have the Green Bay Packers drafted early defense, especially on the defensive line and defensive backfield? And, and how has that really – turned out to help them right away anyway. You know, that's the thing. And the other side of it is you have to trust that your coaches are developing those guys as they go along. So, yes, they did get gouged. But how do those guys that were in that game and got gouged turn up this year and improve? You know, the uh... – the 40, everybody just, you know, the last game that was there was the 49er game, okay? And, you know, that's the last game that the Packers were on the field. And they just were so manhandled by that offensive line of 49ers. And everybody's looking at, like, if you want to get to the Super Bowl and they look at San Francisco, you know, they, they, they killed it on their draft. I mean, they just, the, the, the strong got stronger there. And everybody feels like if you got to get to the, if you're going to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to go through San Francisco. And I just don't see how physical they are, how the Packers can match up against that. I just don't see that. Yeah, I don't see it either personally. And um, I don't know, like their second and third round picks, a lot of those guys like Dylan and, and the tight end out of Cincinnati, a lot of the like, um, the tight end was projected for many people in like the fifth round in that. So um, I just think if, you know, I don't think that anyone would have took that guy. I mean, you're taking a chance by potential. I just think they could have traded down and then, you know, maybe added a wide receiver, maybe adding like a defensive player on top of it and still got those guys. But as you said, like that last game versus San Fran just, just manhandled him. Um, I mean, the offense is typically going to do well no matter what, especially if you have Aaron at the helm. So, um, I just, like I said, I'm just head scratching. They, I don't think they really helped them out going for this year at least. And, um, but that defense and that, I mean, you, you want guys to improve in that, but, um, I don't know. You just, like I said, those guys that they got early, I think they, in my opinion, they reached on. And, um, I think, you know, a lot of people are trying to trade up during the draft and a lot of people were saying no. So I think, there's plenty of students where they could have traded back down, still got those guys and, and even added players like to, like I said, early on, if they didn't get a single wide out in this, in this draft in a, in a deep draft class. So um, very, very head scratching in my opinion. Well, Alan Lazard, you know, he was coming around. It's definitely going to be on his shoulders to be, to step up as the number two wide receiver. Um, 
You know, there's nobody on the wide receiving core that really scares anybody except for Adams, and you can you can double double team that. Um, so it's going to come down to that. With and then and then Jay Sternberger, you know, he's unproven. Um, they spent a high draft choice on him last year. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how he'll come around if he stays healthy. Um, that will help. Um, but um, yeah, the wide receiving core doesn't scare nobody. And that's why it's a head scratch. Why they didn't go after that? Right. Um, exactly. And if you know, a lot of people are saying Aaron's, you know, is probably a little upset for the draft and them taking love in that. Then on top of it, not getting real too many weapons to really work with this year. And you know, if I'm Devontae Adams too, I'm kind of pissed off because, like you said, a lot of people can potentially just double team them, and you know, they'll take their their poison with you know probably playing man against the rest of the, the team in that. So um, if I was Devontae Adams, I'd be equally upset too. But um, I don't know. We'll see. I think one thing everyone's forgetting in this whole thing is that there are still going to be guys that you can pick up that aren't going to be with other teams. You think about a team like Philadelphia. They got they traded for a wide receiver. They drafted a wide receiver. They have like six top-tier receivers on their team. They can't keep all those guys. Couldn't uh, – Green Bay looking at trading for one of those or picking up one of those after they get cut. There's still options to help out the wide receivers. Plus, they didn't think this wide receiver group was as deep as everyone thought else thought it was, so they didn't get one. I, I am equally surprised at some of the moves, but I think when you d- dive deeper into it and think about the predict- prediction of people improving that you already have – that you can start to look for the future as well. And quite frankly, I think Green Bay has done a good job at this in the past that we should all trust the process because you were saying the same thing back in 2005 and all of a sudden you get another 15 years of high-end football. Yeah, but you can't hope that it's going to turn out the same way. You just can't do that. That's just not realistic, honestly, in my opinion. I mean, you're hoping the same thing's going to happen that's rarely ever happens. And, and the key difference, you know, if you want to talk, you know, comparing to 2005, Aaron was a guy that they said could have went number one overall. There was some scouts in here that said Jordan Love is undraftable. They, they have been on file saying Jordan Love is undraftable in that. Um, and, you know, a lot of teams, you know, he led the, the college ranks in interceptions this year. I mean, uh, a lot of teams, you know, he's a huge project and a huge gamble. And who knows? Like you said, maybe he does turn out, but – um, to, to compare it and, and be hopeful that, you know, it's going to turn out like 2005 is very unrealistic in my opinion. And, you know, I can't say it's not going to happen, but the odds are saying it's most likely it's more likely not than to happen. So I, I don't know. Um, and I don't know. You're just hoping that someone else that's going to get dropped um, is going to fill in right away. You know, systems all different fits in that you you, it's kind of hard to hope a guy falls and then you know the system doesn't work out for him and that so I don't know I just think you know with the moves they make I mean wait the three wide receivers that come to mind that they could have taken I think they should have at least taken one of um was Tyler Johnston who I believe was in the fifth or sixth round of Tampa Bay out of Minnesota people were kind of high on him Cephas who went to Detroit um and then that James Crosseis who went 201 um, to the Ravens. I mean, just adding one of those guys, I think, would have, you know, 
at least gives you an idea to hopefully give him some help going forward. But I just didn't see him doing really too much of that. This well, draft. I'll rebut you, and then we'll move on to the rest of the Packers draft. But to say that they should take a guy in the sixth or seventh round, most likely that guy's not going to help right away anyway. So that point, to me, is pointless. Um, I still think you can make a move early in the offseason and trade for a guy that, that you like. Maybe a guy like a Nelson Aguilar that hasn't had a good um, – situation over in Philadelphia but he's got speed he's got talent maybe he can come over and and improve on that um I think some of this is is being overblown I I'm I myself am surprised by it but I think maybe I'm just trying to remain positive but I think if you look at at the past it it could work itself out and I think people are not realizing that people can improve on what they already have. The other thing about Jordan Love, the last thing I'll say about this for right now is, so you say some people say it was undraftable. Some people had him ranked above Herbert and Tua. So they went top six. So the thing about the draft is a lot of people know a lot about nothing because it's all going to depend on how people perform at the next level and get better and really focus on it instead of the money and the other distractions that you can have at the next level. What happens if there isn't a college football season next year? Then what, what does the draft look like for quarterbacks next year? Right. You know, that is a, that's part of the equation too. Right. What if Aaron is behind the scenes and is saying that he's not going to play as as long as he thinks because of something else. I mean, there's just, information that people don't know that they're just assuming out there that um, I think you need to think a little bit more about the situation. Yeah. If you would have got a top wide receiver, would it have helped right away? Potentially. But what if it doesn't look at all the first round draft picks that don't pan out? Look how many people are declining 50 year options on people because they didn't pan out. I mean, why not take a chance on a guy that you have rated probably top five on your board and get the potential replacement for a, a guy that has panned out very well, and you hope the situation can stay the same. Plus, looking at defensive line, you can improve. Kenny Clark is still there. Um, there's some other guys that can improve. I, I just think some of it is being overblown. Would I have liked to see them add depth to those positions? Absolutely. Um, but they didn't, and I think it's still a team that got to the NFC Championship game and they added depth at other positions that could still help. Just like yesterday, you know, they picked up Trevon Hester from uh, from the Raiders. Yep. And, uh, you know, so they're shopping around and they're looking. Um, you know, that seems to be a, a decent pick to, to fill in, too. So, um, so, yeah, they're still looking, and there's plenty of time to shop around and, and you know, and be patient, and you can pick up some more players there, some, some diamonds in the rough, you know, so. Absolutely. Also, Nelson Aguilar is not on the Eagles. He is. On oh yeah, he got traded. There's so, another guy. I don't. There's a lot of teams that already yes, that did. you don't. Yes, um, I was thinking of Isaiah Whiteside or Sega over there, um, a guy that they drafted high and hasn't really panned out. That they could be potentially looking to ending there. So I mean, you just never know. That was just an example, saying that they could pick up some guys that could that that have been in the league and know it a little more than the guys that you're seeing in the sixth and seventh round that usually don't pan out. Yeah, diamonds in the rough. They're there, you know. Sometimes it's it's a, it's a roll of the dice, you know, and some some coaching just might turn it to, to the right direction. So 
trust your scouts and your coaching and, and, and hope for the best. And I think if you look at the past, what the Packers have done and continue to do, somehow they just keep replenishing the talent. So it goes back to what Mark just said, trusting the process. Yeah. Well, I knew that would cause a, a stir with this. We didn't even get into the third round yet. Um, <laughs> pick 94, they go with the tight end out of Cincinnati, Josiah DeGuara, a guy who projects to be either an H-back, an athletic tight end, could play a little bit of fullback too. I think he looks very similar to Jay Sternberger, so athletic tight ends. Um, a guy that wasn't rated as high as on some people's board, but – you started looking at his play, and it's very promising and to me anyway. Then they traded their fourth rounder, so they go into the fifth at pick 175, get Kamal Martin, a linebacker from Minnesota. Round six at pick 192, they go with John Runyon, a guard out of Michigan, and he had a, a father who played for the Eagles uh, back in the day, so there's a good bloodline there. He projects to be very well. A lot of people were happy with that pick. Then a few picks later at 208, they go center Jake Hansen from Oregon. One pick later at 209, they go Simon Step Stepaniak from uh, Indiana, offensive tackle. Vernon Scott in round seven at pick 236, the safety out of TCU. And at uh, the last pick they had in round seven, 242, Jonathan Garvin, a defensive end from Miami. And that guy could be a diamond in the rough as well because they were saying if, if he uh, went – another year and he improved like he has over that, that he could have been uh, potentially in the top four rounds. So that could be a guy to watch on the, on the defensive line. Yeah. He declared early to get into the draft. So, so you never know if that's a diamond in the rough there also. I, uh, um, I saw with the, um, the one pick that they got, uh, um, I'm trying to think of who's um, that from Philadelphia, his, his uh, son. Yeah. John Runyon. But, uh, John Runyon. That's the name. Thanks. I understand that when they uh, gave the acceptance call, he hung up on them yeah. <laughs> and he could get back to him. And so I thought that was entertaining that, uh, that he ended up hanging up on him and lost contact while he was being accepted. <laughs> yeah. He declined the call and then they actually called him a few minutes later, luckily, but uh, he, he said, I missed a call from green Bay. So <laughs> um, you hear about some of those uh, funny stories going through the draft. Well, then, if he's Dave, anything like his old man, uh, I tell you what, he got something there. Yep. 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 Um, then the undrafted free agents come. I think they signed 15. Uh, linebacker Chris Barnes from UCLA. Safety Henry Black from Baylor. Offensive tackle Travis Buffy from Texas Tech. A defensive back Mark Antoine DeCoy from Montreal. Linebacker Tipa Galay from Utah State. Safety Frankie Griffin from Texas State. Offensive guard Zach Johnson from North Dakota State. Fullback Jordan Jones from Prairie View A&M. Another guy from Prairie View A&M, a quarterback, Jalen Morton. Defensive tackle, Willington Prevean from Rutgers. Cornerback, Stanford Samuels from Florida State. Linebacker, Delante Scott from SMU. Wide receiver, Daryl Stewart from Michigan State. Defensive back, Will Sunderland from Troy. Running back, Patrick Taylor from Memphis. So those are some guys that they picked up uh, off the street too. And, and you know, 
I'm going to be watching some of those guys because it seems like, especially with the defensive backs that they've picked up in the past, Sam Shields comes to mind. They've been uh, they've hit on some of those guys. Yep, yep, competition once again. So I think the the thing for me regarding the Packers is it was a surprising draft, one that definitely looked for the future. Um, but at the end of the day, you had a team that went to the NFC Championship game that added some depth at some key positions and uh, will also look to uh, providing some assistance to help those guys improve that they already have. So I'm still saying the Packers win the division. We'll see what they do with the rest of the offseason, who they pick up, who they maybe trade for, who they're interested in, and then go from there. I think I have the Packers winning the division, Vikings second, and Lions third with the Bears finishing fourth. You're not a little biased there, are you, buddy? How do you have it? <laughs> I, think, I think Minnesota will give the Packers everything. Give them every, you know, all Minnesota's got to do is be physical. And I've always been for the last few years, a physical team will always do well against the Packers. It's been that way lately. I mean, I could easily see Minnesota winning it. It's going to be a, it's going to be a close bet. It's going to be a tough division, to be honest with you. I like what the Vikings did with the draft. I'm just concerned with what they lost are those guys that they drafted who I think will predict to have good careers, will they be able to fill in right off the bat? And I'm not certain on that. Whereas I know Green Bay had what it took to get that far last year. So that's what puts me with the Packers one, but I think it'll be one A, one B. It will come down to late in the season. Um, and it'll depend on how they get through the year with health wise um, and getting through the, the tough division that it'll be. Yeah, some say that the Packers definitely overachieved last year. Um, the schedule was a little bit on their side, um, but uh, uh, it's a whole new year this year. Um, patiently waiting for the new schedule to come out. It's usually out on April 15th. They've been holding it back. I'm hearing it might be out uh, Mother's Day weekend, so that would be next weekend. be interesting to get a, get a look at the schedule and see when the bye weeks all fall and everything. And, you know, so that's the next thing that I'm uh, looking forward to that's coming up uh, here. Andy, final thoughts? I just think I, I just think Minnesota's going to win the division here. And, um, I just, uh, <laughs> honestly, i not sure what will happen with Green Bay. I kind of think what Mark says kind of depends on what the schedule looks like maybe when the bye comes out but um i just think they played in too many close games last year and um i I personally see him going down a little bit but um you never know i think it all depends on what aaron looks like and and how this whole thing shapes up going forward maybe this turns the team around in a whole different direction maybe it doesn't but interesting to see how it turns out Apparently, somebody liked that uh, that uh, yeah. idea. So, <laughs> I think he was correct. What's Nolan what's, what's got to say about this? He'll he'll pick the Packers too. I bet you got him dressed in yellow and green right now, huh? Uh, not right now, but he was during the draft. Um, but uh-huh. you know, uh, I think he was yeah. crying there when he heard his uncle say 
Minnesota was going to win the division because. Uh, yeah, that would make that would make some people upset. No, he's he's just upset that he is uh, forced to put that garbage on, just like I was when I was growing up. But sooner or later, he'll he'll get the right gear. <laughs> yeah, just just as long as it ain't Detroit huh? or Chicago, I guess. Yeah. That's right. We can all agree with that. No, uh, yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah. Again, my my closing thoughts will just be: I think um, people are over analyzing the Jordan Love pick, and and the Packers will be all right. So you're going to hear this whole off season. They're going to beat the drum on that until. Uh, but one thing is, Aaron Rodgers actually has said nothing. You know, he's very quiet and reserved. And um, I'm sure he's going to come to town and say, hey, I'm going to show you I still got it. And uh, and that's pretty powerful right there. I mean, he can carry a team. So, so we'll see where that goes. So. Yeah, maybe that lights a, a fire, another fire underneath him. Not that he needs it, but maybe that lights another fire under him saying, hey, I still got it. And to show, hey, you're going to have to get rid of this, guys, because I'm going to be playing in my 40s like Tom Brady. So um, that's another thing. Uh, good point there, Mark. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's insurance for, uh, you know, love is insurance just in case of, you know, Rogers has um, an injury, you know, if I don't want to wish that, you know, but he's had them collarbone problems. And, you know, and he ain't no spring chicken anymore. You know, he's going to turn 37 here, you know, so – Injuries don't heal as fast as what they used to. So it's kind of an insurance policy there, too. So it is what it is. They got what they want. So we'll just have to move on from there. So, Yeah, I think that's underrated, too, because think about all the people complaining that they didn't have a backup quarterback for the years that Aaron was hurt. So if something does happen now, now you've got a guy that potentially can step in and and give you a look for the future if that would happen. A lot of teams think that that backup quarterback is an important part of their team. So, so many teams actually, uh, their quarterback goes down, your season's over, just like Stafford last year. When he went down, Detroit, you're done. You know, um, that's just one example. You see that a lot of times when a quarterback goes down, their season is – pretty much uh, comes to a halt right then and there. So I think a lot of teams are looking at the backup quarterback um, to keep it going, just like the Saints. There is a team that likes to keep a good backup quarterback, and, you know, the Eagles have always been that way too. So, And they're always in the playoff hunt. So, yeah, that's an important position is the backup quarterback. Yep, I was just about to say the same thing, the Saints, the Eagles, all of that. So, um you know, we'll, we'll look to see what happens again. Uh, you know, what they say about the draft is it's a lot of people knowing nothing about nothing. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. We have our opinions here, uh, which is great. Everyone should have their own opinion and, and get it out there and really enjoy it. Cause I tell you what, it's a lot of fun when you're watching the draft and something surprising happens or you pick the guy that you want. So it's just all in good fun. And, and you, you try to watch it and give your opinion as much as possible. But at the end of the day, it's just a lot of fun for us to cover. Yeah, there's a lot of time to cover it. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Andy and Mark, for joining me today on the uh, second edition of the Leaning Tower of Cheesa. Uh, we'll oh. <laughs> oh. 
But thanks. Yeah. Mark, seems like you turned into a Vikings fan. <laughs> Not. So, yep, good talking to everybody. Yep, yep. hang in there. Stay healthy, everybody. Yep, stay healthy, please. Yeah, you guys. Yep, thanks, thanks for, for joining, and uh, we'll hopefully talk to you soon when more news uh, comes out. Thanks again.